Welcome to Women Who Sarcast, where we apply the lowest form of wit to the social issues of our time. I'm Kathy Barron. And I'm Debbie Stair, your certified sarcasm specialist. So, what do you have on the menu us today, Kathy? Well, today we're going to talk about astrology and everyone's horoscope and kind of see how that's received among our fans and see if it is true for everyone or not. So I'm just going to get right to it. Oh, good. And um, all right. We're going to start off with Aries. Uh, the full moon at the start of the week could encourage you to drop what you're doing because you're about to ruin the image and the style that you're used to. Chatty Mercury moves into Gemini in your sector of communication, which means you'll be telling everybody what's on your mind regardless if they want to hear it. <laughs> so then Taurus. Uh, feelings could bubble up to the surface this week, but I doubt it. Mercury joins the sun in Gemini in your financial sector. This could either mean you will become a few bucks richer or poor. It's a crapshoot. Do you know many Tauruses? <laughs> Great. Uh, no. I know my moon is in Taurus often enough. Mm-hmm. Well, Gemini, you know, Geminis are the twins. Um... So you never know quite what you're going to get when you come come across a, a Gemini. Um, apparently, Mercury is in your sign. Well, aren't you special? The power of the full moon <laughs> could bring hidden feelings to the surface. What is it with all these feelings bubbling up, you might ask? I have no idea. <laughs> Where do people come up with this? Where do astrologers... <laughs> get this and how much time do they spend coming up with this stuff <clears throat> well you right, know the full moon, the moon full moon is on tuesday so you know we have to it's probably why you've been feeling a little freakish lately is because the moon, moon. full moon's coming up we have it again it was just full last week was it yeah oh <laughs> we're gonna have two full moons in two weeks okay now i'm worried that sounds good that's okay. Now I understand. Beware of the. Okay, everyone, prepare for. This is why it's so wacky. These astro- these horoscopes. <laughs> okay, Cancer. The full moon in your lifestyle sector is nudging you to get rid of any bad habits. So if you so if you've been thinking about losing weight, seize the moment because that bikini from last year can't be let out. If you get my drift. Oh, misogynist prick. <laughs> <laughs> Guy wrote this. <laughs> and then Leo, Tuesday's full moon in your leisure and romance sector can be an opportunity to let go and really enjoy yourself because we all know that's that it's always about you. Uh, I dated a Leo. My mothers are Leos. Yeah, I had a couple in my past. <laughs> Virgo, this is a good week to look under the carpet for things that have been swept under it. I would recommend using Not a vacuum. Not in a Virgo's house. In a Virgo's <laughs> house, it would be totally, completely clean. <laughs> I would recommend doesn't... using a vacuum cleaner so you don't have to deal with it anymore. Okay, that's a different therapeutic approach. <laughs> We're just going to vacuum your shit right out of you. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good to me. Isn't that what liposuction is? wish I learned that in psychology school. Just use a vacuum to vacuum out those negative thoughts. <laughs> Libra, the universe was giving me confusing messages for you this week. 
know. At Libra's confused anyway. <laughs> the full moon is in your sector of communication, and Mercury is in your sector of travel. This could mean only one thing. Tell people you're from Canada. Oh, what? Wow, okay. <laughs> I thought he was going to say something about Pluto. <laughs> yeah. Has Pluto been uh, now left out of all the predictions? Yeah, I think it's, it's been excommunicated, I think. Oh, good. No more unconscious. <laughs> <laughs> no more unconscious. The unconscious <laughs> has been canceled. <laughs> no more darkness. <laughs> Scorpio. I'm a, I'm a Scorpio. Scorpio, what's going on for you? Says, keep being your awesome self, girl. Oh, wait. I mean. <laughs> it does not say that. <laughs> I mean, uh, Mercury joins the sun in Gemini, and fortunately for you, no emotions whatsoever will bubble up to the surface. Okay. This is your chance to get out of Dodge and find that secluded beach. It's too bad you have to work. <laughs> I think he's watching you. Mm -hmm. I think he's been following you around. <laughs> so how do we have to stop here? So what do you think about that uh, horoscope? Does it feel well, apropos? Well, since I wrote it, yeah. Oh, you wrote that one. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no wonder it fit. Yeah. <laughs> been trying to, you know, do that, save money, and you only live once. Attitude. Okay. Because you can't really save money and live like it's your last day on Earth. Just doesn't work that way. Unless you want to spend the last day of your Earth in your in your bedroom, in your house. Right. <laughs> Got to save that money. Okay, Sagittarius. You'll never guess. The full moon is in your sign, which could make you feel larger than life. So you might want to ease up on those Krispy Kremes. Luscious Venus and jovial Jupiter are looking out for you this weekend by making you and a loved one become intimate. Okay, okay. Here's, here's Capricorn. Uh, I'm a Capricorn, everybody. Look out. For all you Cappies out there, you might want to start remembering your dreams, Capricorn, because they hold the key to, well, your dreams. You could enjoy the perfect <laughs> date this weekend if your standards weren't so high. You're better off reading a trashy romance novel while drinking a glass of red. <laughs> Read it again. Read it again. I need the attention. <laughs> oh, my God. What was the first part of that? So you might want to start remembering your dreams, Capricorn, because they hold the key to, well, your dreams. Oh, that's cool. I dreamed last night of a, a young woman that uh, actually was way too young for me, but we liked each other. Well, that's the first step, isn't it? So, yeah, never dated a 19-year-old before, <laughs> not even when I was 19. Well, you know, as long as she's legal, you're okay. But at least someone's interested in me. Everyone, this is a dream. I'm paying attention to my dreams because I'm supposed to pay attention to dreams. I have a question for you. Do you know what, which astrological sign is most likely to cheat? Um, well, based on my experience, no. Based on your experience, no? <laughs> I don't it know. Was, it wasn't a, oh, okay. Do you know? Yes. Okay, so it was a yes-no question. Uh, it's actually, drum roll please, it's actually Capricorn. 
No way. Right. I mean, if you read our sun sign, it's like the most boring sign like ever. If you want, you know, we're practical, down to earth, stubborn, methodical, analytical, not very emotional. You know, you'd wonder how we could, you know, attract anyone. But apparently, at least according to this one blog, Capricorns are more likely to cheat. I thought, well, wow. There you go. Must be the shadow side of all that rational practicality. Mm. All right, we got two more. We got Aquarius. Imagine, if you will, Aquarius, the full moon, Mercury, and Gemini are in your social sector. What? You're expecting something else? <laughs> and Pisces. This guy's a comedian. <laughs> Pisces with Mercury in your home zone. You call in sick to work this week. So you can lounge around in your underwear and binge watch Netflix, taking cat naps in between episodes. If only we could all be you. Cat naps between episodes. That mm. they run continuously <laughs> if you leave it alone. <laughs> well, if you fall asleep, they're going to run anyway, right? She's going to have to rewind. There's no between. There's no stopping. <laughs> binge watch is continuous. No naps. God. Well, that was Women Who Sarcast version of your daily horoscope. And uh, <laughs> it could happen again in future episodes. Who knows? We'll see how, how this gets, you know, how well this gets taken by people. But um, how much of those did you write? You wrote yours? Did you write mine? I wrote all of them. You wrote all of them. Wow. And you even managed to sound like a guy part of the time. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> you wrote. <laughs> with the What's that supposed to mean? Suit thing. <laughs> I accused you of being sexist. <laughs> I wrote good. them based on obviously <laughs> last week's horoscopes from the interwebs and uh, the now personality like of each more. sign. I think they pretty much fit. I think so too. Although I have to confess, I don't know anything other than uh, 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 Aries, um, Scorpio, Capricorn, Sagittarius, and Leo. The rest is just a mystery. Oh, and Virgo. I've known some Virgos. Thank you for helping us understand ourselves better. Well, you know, I just got to spread my knowledge. Spreading sarcasm in order to help others. That's right. That's, That's what, what we're all about here on the show. <laughs> and with that, we'll be right back after these important messages. Today's show is brought to you by the Fortune Tellers Union of America, supporting crystal gazers since the 19th century. Welcome back to Women Who Sarcast. Thank you, Kathy, for writing our horoscopes. That was enjoyable. It was enjoyable writing uh, them. We thank you for your erudite wisdom and your communication with the stars. <laughs> 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 but you need to bring in Pluto next time, okay? Okay. All right. So today's topic is something that I am totally unqualified to talk about, um, which is why I picked it. And that topic is called happiness. Mm, happiness. Happiness. Dangerous topic. So, happiness. What the fuck is happiness? Don't know. I don't really 
<laughs> I don't think anyone knows. I think it's I think it's the Loch Ness monster of the human psyche. Like we're wandering around in the Scotland of the human mind looking for something that doesn't exist. <laughs> It pokes its head up once in a while, and you think yeah. it's the, you think it's there, but then it you know. Someone photographs it, puts it on Facebook, and then we're all fucked, you know, <laughs> for for the next three months. <laughs> so you know, I'm a Capricorn, and all we do is work hard at golf. So I am pretty sure that if happiness existed, I would have accomplished it by now. <laughs> right. <laughs> but there's a problem because us Capricorns are. We're really goal-oriented, so I have the feeling that if, uh, you know, I discovered, I achieved happiness, I would be unhappy because I would have nothing to live for. Right, because you've achieved your goal. Right, I, I feel bad. I am happy. I'm happy. I have nothing, nothing to shoot for. So, um, my premise today, and I really just want to know what, you know, what you think about all this, but I think it's possible that the pursuit of happiness causes unhappiness mm -hmm. makes sense that really yeah. does make sense and so uh and as there actually some research to to back that up got three different um studies one of them is called can seeking happiness make people unhappy this is by iris mouse uh m-a-u-s-s uh, <laughs> yeah, of course mice aren't happy. You know, cats exist. Everything eats them. What the hell would they have to be happy about? No, it's iris mouse. Can seeking happiness make people unhappy? Paradoxical effects of valuing happiness. Um, uh, so the idea here is the more that happiness is focused upon, the less it's, it's actually um, possible to achieve. So why do, why do we think that? this might be the case. Do you have any thoughts about it? That you are unhappy seeking happiness? Yeah, the, how the pursuit of happiness might cause unhappiness. Well, I think it depends what people consider what define, what they define happiness as. I mean, right. some people think it's being rich. Some people mm -hmm. think it's having a boat and a skidoo and, you know, all these material things. Some mm -hmm. people think happy is being in a relationship. Some people think happy is living in a cave. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, for me, it's just feeling good and not feeling worried, afraid, or upset. <laughs> when I looked at this, I was like, yeah, I think we need to define what it is, you know, for ourselves. And... Uh, but it's, mine was rather simple. I'm usually more ornate. But, you know, so it's for me, it's the absence of a physical or emotional pain, which means right. drinking a glass of milk could be happiness. <laughs> Petting the cat, taking a nap, talking to you, you know. Right. That's the the small I, things, yeah, the small things yeah. that don't cost anything. And then I thought, oh my God, is it possible? You know, happiness is lurking everywhere, and perhaps we just miss it if we, you know, define it too abstractly or too too narrowly. Right. <laughs> happiness might be lurking everywhere. Uh, uh, Hafiz, who is a poet, uh, one of the researchers quoted uh, 
this guy he says, ever since happiness heard your name, it has been running through the streets, you know, trying to find you. <laughs> <laughs> so, and we're running the opposite direction. Right. <laughs> <laughs> trying um, to find it. There, yeah, there are several different studies that show that the more people focus on happiness as a life goal, like I want to be happy, and the more they evaluate it and the more that they think about it, um, the less happy they are. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've done this through questionnaires or through scenarios where they, you know, create the expectation, okay, listen to a piece of music and try to feel really good while, while you're doing it. The people who were just listened without any expectations had better experiences than the person who was trying to, you know, be super happy while listening to Philip Glass <laughs> or whoever they were. Right, right. Play. Um, so this was kind of interesting because I thought, Jesus, I could be happy right now and not know it. Maybe I'm not nearly as unhappy as I think. Right. Have you ever had that where you look I, back? And... I think I have. I mean, I definitely have those moments of in the moment I know that I'm happy. They're very few and far between. <laughs> um, but I think, I think a lot of us focus on the negative and what we don't have. Uh-huh. To really see that we have everything that we need to be happy. But I think, you know, society makes us think that there's always something missing, like that person or that job or that thing. Yeah. And so that's why we continue to search and search and search for this unicorn of happiness. <laughs> is that the shape that happiness takes? A unicorn shape? Maybe. I had no idea it was sharp. At least the rainbow, so, maybe. So does the does the unicorn of happiness like kind of like come in and stab you, and then you're happy? <laughs> well, you know, I like. I don't know if stab would be now. the appropriate <laughs> word. <laughs> you know, I really don't like unicorns, but the fact that you know the unicorn could possibly stab me with happiness somehow that drew me up. <laughs> Well, I think unicorns are like the uh, poster animal of utopia. Oh. I think people equate it, the unicorn, with utopia. So, Economy runs on the illusion that the pursuits of uh, externals, you know, money, a good body, the right relationship, the right status, um, um, lots of expensive objects um, will you know, create happiness and then it doesn't and um, then fuels the economy because then you go and buy more stuff, more self-help books, more another car, you know, more clothes, etc. So I think our nation actually has a vested interest in making sure, A, we don't really define more subtle gradations of peacefulness, happiness, those kinds of states of consciousness. Mm-hmm. And um, so we walk around with sort of these vague... Um, ideas of what happiness would be, including that it's a permanent state. Right. What emotion have you ever seen in your life that's like permanent? You know. No. No. That's not. There isn't any. And why do we make happiness the goal? I mean, why don't we walk around going, "I am so unsad today." (laughs) I I woke up and I was so unanxious. So unpeaceful. You know, why is happiness and unhappiness like the, the, the standard, you know? 
Because society is like, if you're not happy, then... I don't know. It just seems like there's so much pressure to be things, whether it's happy, sad. It's kind of like the introvert, extrovert thing. Yeah. You know, if, if you're not happy, then something's <laughs> wrong with you. <laughs> We're going to invent a vaccine for introverts. <laughs> <laughs> that was a crazy idea. Uh, yeah, I think it runs the economy. I think it runs the way we work. I think the um, people, I think our, I think the way we run our, our country really has to do with pursuing happiness and then kind of making sure we don't find it so that we keep working hard and we keep doing all this kind of activity. I think our economy would fall apart if we didn't have that pursuit thing because we wouldn't buy as much. Right. Um, yeah. Consumer buying is at an all time high. You know how and they actually, give you out the numbers in the news. Yeah. Um, there's a film called uh, Happiness. Be careful because there's two films called Happiness. One is a very, very dark comedy that's not about happiness. <laughs> <laughs> it was so dark that I couldn't even watch it, which is freaking amazing because I am the opposite of a unicorn. Um, but apparently, according to my own study of myself, I'm happier than I thought I was, which is scary on a lot of levels also. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> my ego is like what do you mean I'm supposed to be unhappy what do you mean I've been unhappy all this time and I didn't know that's insulting <laughs> so that's like I'm really stupid but I think lots of people make that mistake so what's um, this anyway, movie there's a documentary uh, there's another documentary. It's a documentary called Happiness, and it compared different countries. Mm-hmm. And the United States is very, very low on the list. I forgot to look it up before um, we did the broadcast, but um, but Denver's like the f- Denmark is like the first on the list, right? Um, I don't know. I know that it's very high. I know that countries that are also that are also fairly poor rate a lot higher than the United States. The United States was like thirty or fifty. Hmm. somewhere between 30 and 50 in the ratings um, of, of just peacefulness, contentment, life fulfillment, etc. So the United States actually has one of the lowest um, happiness brackets. Well, I'm not know, surprised, actually. In the, in, the, in the world, so all are focusing on it. Um, uh, so, um, so what do we do instead of uh, is happiness possible? I think it depends. I think it's actually a lot more subtle. I think it's a lot of little things. Mm-hmm. You know, I realized, oh, you know, I like watching the bird outside. I like petting the cat. I like sleeping late. All these things. I, I just looked at my day yesterday and went, my God, I've been ha- more or less happy, satisfied, peaceful, except for here and there, you know, all day. So, um, you know, I think it's not, I think if we just look at it as this empty set, this happiness thing, that that doesn't work. Um, studies show that externals don't work. Mm-hmm. That is the inner inner state. It's an inside um, job. Yeah. So, what do we do instead? Um, so I got this from the greatest dot com connect uh, slash searching for happiness. This is from a book called Obliquity. I don't even know what that word means. <laughs> Oblique, oh, from oblique, probably means something about things that we don't, subtle things that we don't usually see. 
Uh, John Kay argues the best things in life can only be pursued indirectly. And he says, I believe this is true for happiness. If you want to experience joy or meaning, you need to shift your attention away from joy or meaning and towards projects and relationships that bring joy and meaning as byproducts. Hmm. As the great philosopher John Stuart Mill once wrote, those are only happy who have their minds fixed on some object other than their own happiness. Right. That makes sense. Because we're always looking outside. Like I said, you know, looking outside for things or someone to make us happy. And no right. one can then- make us anything. We have to... We have to do it, unfortunately. Which would probably mean we need to know kind of what gives us pleasure and what makes um, our lives meaningful. Um, uh, what's her name? Let's see. Her name is Susan. I can't find her name. One of the uh, research said that actually pursuing things that you know that uh, are pleasant and that um, give your life meaning, that things that are meaningful. And so it's almost like you don't wait until you're happy to do something. You do things that are, are, are meaningful or, or, uh, or otherwise enjoyable mm-hmm. and then just pay attention, you know, um, to that, uh, experience. And so it appears that, you know, states of happiness are byproducts of focusing on other things. Um, there's a Czech psychologist named McKaylee. I'm going to call him McKaylee C because I cannot pronounce <laughs> his last name. It makes Louis C.K.'s last name seem like, you know, it's Jones. Um, but uh, have you heard of the concept of flow? Mm-mm. No. Where, where a person is basically just at one with an activity. You're engrossed in it. You're absorbed in it. Yeah, You know, there's, you know, uh, have you ever had that uh, experience of just? Yeah, I do, actually. Um, when I was doing video projects. When I was doing the editing, the post-production, that's when Mm -hmm. I would be zoned in and three hours could go by and I'd be like, whoa, where'd the time go? Mm -hmm. Because I'm just so focused in that project. And I loved it. Mm -hmm. I loved doing Mm -hmm. that. Um, That's, uh, the psychologist McKaylee calls this an experience of of flow and and people who experience it, which is almost everybody, um, at one point or the other report, you know, it feeling really good. And I remember like when I'm writing or, um, uh, doing a podcast or I'm teaching, I like these different, you know, flow experiences. And then I miss it when I'm not, um, in, in the flow. And, um, so happiness is kind of elusive because it's a matter of, of consciousness in that to step out of flow, you have to notice to notice whether you're happy or not, you have to step out of the flow where you're at one. And so the the process of reflecting on, am I happy or not, <laughs> um, uh, can itself create, you know, a, a feeling of unhappiness or disappointment or et cetera, like the over-focusing right, on it. Right, right. And, you know, in general, the psychologists seem to think that creating, you know, scenarios where you're, you're in flow, you know, often... Um, and, and then appreciating how that feels as, as a byproduct, Mm -hmm. um, seemed to be the, the the way to go. So to recap, um, happiness is not a state. 
it's not a permanent uh, thing, so we should never shoot for it. Uh, happiness involves also feel, feeling other feelings, one other argued. Uh, and so it's all, uh, you know, context. And uh, the more we, they also reported these, this research reported that people who made their own happiness uh, key, actually they felt more alone, uh, more depressed, and more disappointed. When they made their own happiness? When they focused on happiness as a goal. Of oh, their life. I see. Okay. And they really thought about it a lot and they evaluated it. And part of that reason is because you take yourself out of actually noticing um, what's actually going on and being present and being, you know, in flow. You can kind of be in flow doing nothing. Right. You know, yeah. If I you think, think about it, if you're just paying attention. No, I agree with that 100%. That if you focus on being happy, then you're not. Because what is happy? I mean, it's an empty set if you really think about it. It's the same question, what is love? You know, there's 12,000 questions. There's 12,000 ways to talk around it. Mm-hmm. But but the experience is something other. And I think happiness is like that. I think it's a blend of paying attention to where you are and the different gradations of, of enjoyment, the different gradients and like just being more aware and then being okay when you're not happy like right be happy all the time life well, isn't about that right and i think it's important to find something like you said that brings you joy and that you enjoy doing because if you enjoy doing something there's no reason for you not to be happy yeah and one mistake i've been making sometimes is i wait to feel good before i go and do something mm-hmm. and i realize I just need to, at this certain point, just go and start doing. Right. And, and that actually lifts me out of whatever, usually, if I'm kind of just bummed. So, I ha- yeah, I've been waiting around for this state of being that's actually created by being engaged. Um, right, and that's just it, being present in the moment that you're in instead of looking, being in the future, you know, being in the, being in the now, <laughs> being in the present. <laughs> some abstract idea of what feeling good is what happy is because mm-hmm. I startled myself yesterday when I was like well I'm happy when I pet the cat. when you pet the cat <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm happy when I do I'm like oh my god I'm such a Capricorn such an overachiever the fact that actually it takes very little to make me happy actually when I think about it mm-hmm. it's a real eye-opener <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes doing nothing do makes you happy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that scared me. <sighs> but it was also cool. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's important to to hear that because I think a lot of us know this, but it's always good to be reminded and... Um, because we do need a you know reality check a lot of times because we do get caught up in the outer um, the outer uh, stuff. I have experiences where I do feel in flow and it feels good, and then I get up. I think I get upset that it isn't like that all the time, but it doesn't. It doesn't you know need to be. I think actually some of the unhappiness I've experienced is really in my own mind. And it has to do with just thinking that over and over again and having some odd preconceived notion of what 
Because if I stop and pay attention, I realize, oh, I'm far less fucked up than I ever, than I thought. (laughs) (laughs) Which for Capricorn is a rude awakening. We're always working on ourselves. Right. (laughs) You're fine. You don't need to do anything. What what, what do I do? Change astrological signs? Yeah. What's what's one of the astrological signs that's more lazy? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not saying... I don't want to get in trouble. <laughs> Let's make up a sign. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that's all the time we have for today. Uh, okay. Maybe we can have another episode where we can join uh, zodiac signs in, in happiness. <laughs> Which zodiac sign? We can rate. <laughs> we can rate them. How's that? <laughs> this week it's Capricorn. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. This like, is Debbie Sayre signing off for Women Who Sarcast. And this is Kathy. Thank you for listening. We'll be back again next week on Women Who Sarcast. Toodles. Show music provided by Mike Imbasiani. You can find him at mikeimbasiani.com. That's M I K E. I am B-A-S-C-I-A-N-I dot com. Mm-hmm.